My name's Greg. And I'm Gemma, and this is our podcast, A Moment With, our invitation to explore topics that matter most to us right now with experts in the field. So we're thrilled to be joined today by Zoran, hotel development specialist, entrepreneur, public speaker, game changer, and a member of the Connections community. Zoran, how are you doing? Very good, my friend. Very good. Given the circumstances that we are in, I would say very good. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for taking the time for joining us. Um, pleasure. pleasure. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, Zoran, I reached out to you because um, you recently wrote an article which caught my eye. Um, it was titled, Hope is Not a Good Business Strategy. Um, you immediately caught my attention with that. And I wondered, what prompted you to write it? So the article came in a series of articles that I have been writing since the beginning of the uh, pandemics uh, that I'm now putting together in a, in a package that I'm calling what to do when you don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I was just uh, surprised how many of my colleagues from the industry and many of them entrepreneurs and many of really entrepreneurial minds uh, that would other, otherwise be ready to uh step up were just so shocked and just uh didn't know how to respond to any 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 of the things that are going around us on a obviously on a health level everybody has a way of understanding it but on a business level uh i've heard on so many occasions just oh we hope this goes away quickly we hope a vaccine comes through uh, soon or we hope uh, uh, an antiviral drug fixes this and all of these things make sense that we are hoping for the scientists to come up with a solution for for the global health crisis, but actually that has nothing to do with the business. And right. uh, and uh, you know people were kind of transposing that hope onto their businesses and not looking into where they are at now and where they can be in the future, uh, short term, mid term, long term. And then when we are talking about business strategy. That's a really a long-term thinking, mainly long-term thinking, and uh, they it, people complete lost the perspective on the long uh, long-term uh, business uh, strategic strategic thinking. Got it. No, that makes a lot of sense. Mm, and, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm guessing that um, maybe hope is is what people fall on because the mammoth task of of understanding what's going to happen and and formulating a plan. It's just so gigantic. People don't know where to start. Um, and what I enjoyed about your article is you did offer some suggestions on. Exactly, on how... exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's why I wrote it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And, and there was one thing that stood out to me, which I'd like to start with now. Mm. Um, and that was you talking about scenario planning. Um, so you mentioned um, scenario planning is one way uh, in which you can help answer questions uh, and reduce fears of the unknown. Um, so what exactly, and this is a simple question, but what exactly is scenario planning? And and can you offer me an example of that in action? Mm, sure, sure, sure. So th that's why I'm kind of uh, starting with this, you know, what to do when you don't know what to do. You know, you have to start with some tools and we have tools at our disposal. And one of them is a cool tool that we call scenario planning. You take two you take two very defining elements of this crisis, for example. Uh, we don't know when is it going to end, and we don't know when it ends. 
if the borders are going to be open or closed. So you take those two, uh, those two uh, factors and you graph them on a, on a, uh, you, you plot them on a map, on a graph, and you have four scenarios right away. One in which we open borders, let's say in a month, the health crisis is over and the borders are open. That's the most positive scenario. The worst scenario, we, uh, the health crisis is over in a year time or in two years time and the borders are closed. And then the other two are a mix of the, of the two. One positive, one negative, one negative, one positive. Then you can have that, uh, four scenarios that you can look at. So you're not now looking anymore at 100 different scenarios. You're looking at four scenarios that give you a direction. And it, mm. helps, you, it helps you navigate. I'm not saying that any of these scenarios will happen exactly as, it, as it's predicted, but it gives you four directions to look at. And then you're observing two most defining characteristics for your business. For example, for the travel industry, it's not just the health crisis, because the crisis is never the crisis, right? It's something else. So what is going to happen if half of the world becomes uh, dictatorships? That has nothing to do with with the with the health crisis. So the, right. the the and then you just observe those two moments that really define your business. For the travel industry, borders have to stay open. So it's like mm-hmm. more, more even more important than than what happens with some other things. And you then start doing okay. So if the borders are closed, I am only reduced to the domestic travel. How then do I plan my, my my business my product you know is my product fit for the domestic market are the processes i have in place fit for the domestic market is the business model i have fit for the domestic market and if you see that that's a scenario that's happening you gotta start making some changes mm. and zoran looking at this sort of process of scenario planning and then combining it with product development how do I know that if I'm making these product developments that my business is then going to be almost post-COVID proof, I suppose? So how do I combine the process of scenario planning with that innovation that you talk about? Oh, well, you don't know that. <laughs> there is <laughs> it's no... a big question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, there is no such thing as being proof uh, uh, well, that, you have, uh, that you're safe from these kind of, uh, these kind of disruptions. Uh, but what you can do is you can break it down and then you can really look at your product and you look at the processes, you look at the business model and you and you try uh, observing the trends that are happening and try to learn from these from these processes and trends and see if mm-hmm. they are following following in the footsteps of what was going on before and what is what is going to transpose later. So, no, you can't be you can't you can't uh, we are not profits so you can't uh, 100% uh, predict anything but you can you can observe you can talk to people you can think about it take time to think uh, to, to, to really see if the product is is uh, learned from other industries mm. you know, there, is, there is just so much out there and I, I'm just encouraging people not to be sitting in there uh, chairs and waiting for things to go back to the way they were before, <laughs> you know, mm. just to really yeah. break it down, uh, break it down and 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 look. Uh, we can take an example. You look, you look at the uh, mice segment of the industry. You know, for example, there is a com- uh, part of the connections 
community that's very much into meetings and incentives and conferences. And I mean, their product is going to be, it's going to be so difficult to return that product. You know, conferences as the way they were before, because they just don't carry only the, the health, uh, there's not only the health hazard, but there is a reputational cost. What happens if you organize a conference and then you become again the source of contagion, you know? So, yeah. you know, the, you really just can't be sitting and thinking, okay, this is gonna pass, we're gonna go back to the way things were before. So what is gonna happen? Mm -hmm. What do you do with your product? I, you have to create alternate scenarios, alternate options. And great, if things go back to the way they, they were before, I mean, nobody happier than me, but it just doesn't seem that's gonna happen that way. Mm. I like the idea that you talk about breaking down your business model and almost redefining and, and, and recreating what that means in this sort of new normal world. And it's actually really interesting that you touch upon the business models of hotels in your article and how this is the opportunity to shake this up. Again, another humongous question um, oh, that yeah. I don't expect you to answer. But um, as a hotelier, where where should I be looking to start making changes if if now is an opportunity to to shake really shake up this market this is a every time when things are going well everybody is happy you know you have the the owners who get their return on investment you have the operators who charge their fees mainly based on a revenue percentage not on a profit percentage uh and the 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 business business uh, tries Last time when we had this question out in the open was in the 2008 crisis, uh, when uh, when the when the hotels suffered a lot as well, because the obligation to fund the operation uh, falls on the on the owners, regardless of who's the operator, regardless who's the company that puts their uh, brand name uh, on the on the on the hotel name, uh, and. Uh, uh, and the and the owners then just say, well, you know, you're not making, we are not making money. We can't be, uh, we can't be funding the operation. Then there mm -hmm. is the problem of the performance, performance tests. You know, part of your part of the management company's uh, fees come from the performance-based uh, uh, scenarios. And if there is no performance, like right now, the owners can ditch the management companies and just say okay the contract is void so this is a time to f probably look into it between this is not a question for a general public this is really a question for the owners and hotel management companies will they decide in the future to somehow share the burden of these kind of uh, scenarios of these kind of disruptions we are we going to move back to a more uh, family oriented business developments that are not going to be because look at this who's now suffering reputational costs are the hotel management companies not so much the owners right the owners the sure. owners are for example now receiving the help of the different governments and keeping the staff uh, uh paid uh, keeping getting the salaries uh paid by the government some countries some countries don't do anything but that's now a different question but the, the reputational cost currently is on the hotel management companies. You just hear Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt. You have no happening with the actual owners of the hotels because rarely it's actually the Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt that is the owner of the hotel. On the other hand, they are 
they are getting all the reputational damage, but they will be getting no fees because their fees are tied to the revenue. And there is no revenue, there is no fees. There is no performance uh, fees because obviously there is no performance. So this is a really a big question that has to be brought out there. And I don't really see anybody talking about it. That's why I say, and I'm just thinking that when nobody talks about it, some, something is going to come from the side. Uh, something, yeah. that some, some disruption is going to come from an industry mm. that is not a hotel industry. You know, is it going to be Amazon? Is it going to be Google? Is it going to be one of these companies that just going to start their own hotel brands and hotel industry completely? You know, maybe they are just going to start uh, having their own airlines and fly, uh, airplanes and flying their own people around and having their own hotels and becoming completely isolated from the rest of the rest of the world. Not saying many of these things will happen, but uh, I like to pose some of these extreme scenarios because they make us think into that direction, not because they are going to happen in such a way, but just they help, it, they help us uh, observe the, the, the uh, horizon with a bit of a different, uh, different eyes. Okay, moving on to, on to slightly lighter subject. Um, something made me laugh in your article, and it was um, you were linking the psychology behind the purchasing of toilet paper. Um, so, you know, we've every, I think every country's probably had it, the, the panic buying of toilet paper. Um, you said that we could actually link the psychology of that behavior to the potential future expectations from travelers. Mm. So my question is, what the heck does toilet paper have to do with the future of travel? Uh, nothing, but it's, uh, it's something to, to, it's again, something to make us think. It's like, why would people in the face of a biggest global pandemic that most, you know, most of the, at least Western world has ever faced, would be going out and buying toilet paper. And then, you know, other than sharing memes and, uh, and laughing at these people, it would be better to understand what is behind it. And behind it is something called zero risk bias. You know, when we are faced with the larger problems, we tend to sort out the small problems unrelated and you know something that that could become a problem in the future but it's not real problem but by sorting that thing out we feel safer we feel like we are back in control and we need to feel like we have at least some control and then i thought okay so we are moving now into this uh, uh, very uncertain future this future of uncertainty will bring out more of these or, or people's decisions on the travel will be motivated by what we call prevention emotions. You know, prevention emotions of risk reduction, of absence of problems, absence of discomfort, because these, these then help us make our decisions in a confident and secure way. And if we are going to be looking at making decisions this way, as opposed to promotion emotions, as we did over the past 10 years, for example, where we are really looking to excite ourselves, delight ourselves, you know, to acquire some satisfaction through acquisition of new knowledge and new experiences. And you would agree this is, this is something that really dominated the travel world over the past decade. I mean, for example, the Connections community was, all, was very much about this, about bringing yes. these promotion emotions forward. Right now, mm -hmm. we really need to be looking at promotion, prevention emotions because this is going to be a driver for many people and when people are going to be deciding on the on their future travel 
they might decide, okay, I have a big issue here. However, I can't sort out that big issue, but maybe I can sort out these two, three little issues on the side. They are not big, but they make me feel back in control. And I just thought, okay, if I bring out the example of toilet paper craze, uh, it actually will make people think and will instigate kind of this, okay, what is it that you will decide you're going, you're unsafe, you're going to travel again after six months or a year, and you're going to a country where it's not your country, but you still want to travel, and you will want to remove a couple of little things, and you're going to find your own little toilet paper uh, zero-risk reduction, <laughs> and, and, and translate them so into your travel decisions. Mm -hmm. I see. Got it. So I, I, I see the link now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm a hotel, um, Zoran, and I want to, I want to, to tap into those zero risk uh, emotions, that toilet paper psychology. What I mean, in a, I know this is all hypothetical, but what could I do which might engage uh, my customers or my consumers on that level? I think they really depends on the context. Uh, certain countries right now uh, have a better reputation than the others. So if your country has a good reputation, you know you're already in a position where your zero risk bias and your reduction of, of, uh, of, or your prevention measures that you will be applying are completely different than in a country that has a bad reputation. So it's really, it's really contextual. Uh, however, you might want to make certain things visible that before were not so visible. And I have been thinking about housekeeping, which we always try to hide, not to hide, but make it invisible. And most of the hotels had a pride in this invisible uh, housekeeping service, which just miraculously makes sure that the hotel shines, but you never see them around. Right now, it might make yeah. sense to bring that forward so that people actually see housekeeping cleaning all the time, it will make them feel safer. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but just thinking like there are things like that. You know, you want to, inc you actually want to make things visible so that people feel safer, that you actually in yeah. inform them. We are cleaning four times a day uh, the high frequency areas, you know, the elevator buttons. You actually want to, before you would never say that. I mean, who, which hotel would come out and say, we are doing this six times a day? Maybe this might be now your unique selling point. You know, <laughs> because people will be making decisions that are health-related, but they still want to travel. So yeah, it's that is... sort of constant visible reassurance, isn't exactly, it? That it's always exactly. being done. Exactly, 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 exactly. So is this the end of breakfast buffets? Uh, could be. Could be. I mean, you know, in most of the hotels, even before we had these sneeze guards, I don't know if you've come across those, you know, like the, <clears throat> yeah. I have. I yeah, know that's what they yeah, were. So <laughs> that, was a, that was very common in a uh, cruise industry already for years because of uh, norovirus. You know, it's a cruise industry has been handling the outbreaks of, of norovirus for years. Uh, and uh, the sneeze guards were really helpful in that sense. Because they just protect the food from you sneezing or uh, from any other kind of excrement that come out <laughs> of your nose, nose or your or mouth, <laughs> but you can still reach out for food. But yes, there might be, there might be, this might be a temporary uh, 
decline in buffets or long term. I don't know, but definitely it's a big, big one, mm. big one. I'm seeing, I'm seeing as well in the news. I think I read an article around um, building sort of glass areas where people can sunbathe with distance. I mean, is this one prediction that's coming? Can you think of any others that maybe? going to come in the hotel sort of world as yeah can i've keep seen i've seen I mean, i've seen this and i really don't I, understand this yeah. i mean i think i find it ridiculous uh the the boxes <laughs> i've seen the boxes in italy they are considering putting these plexiglass boxes and uh, whatever i really i mean as long as people keep some distance it's really it looks ridiculous if that's gonna be the future of sunbathing then i'm not i'm not taking part in that but you know, but there are some other things. For example, you know, cash handling. They might go away, really. You know, yes, people, okay, yeah. You know, cash is something that can be the transmitter of the virus. And at, at least this, I mean, we are we are talking based on a lot of assumptions here. We don't know exactly. So it seems that cash is the transmitter of, of, of uh, the virus. So cash might be going into, into history completely. So... Yeah, the nail in the coffin, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so you're right, Greg. This is what this is what you said. A lot of things that were before and that maybe would take another five or ten years to happen are now happening overnight. You know, the mm. all, all of a sudden we have online schools all over. You know, all of a sudden, you know, things that were that that people spoke uh, spoke about. This is going to happen in 2025, 2030, 2035. All of a sudden, now you can do things literally overnight. Mm. Uh, so, which yeah, doesn't so really help us in the travel industry because we still want to be moving around. We don't want to be living uh, online. That's not the travel. No. <laughs> That's not traveling. No, of course. I think on on the other sort of side of the coin, it's given a lot of businesses the opportunity to, like you say, stop rethink re-strategize and some sort of new creative innovation can be born from it so it's about like you say using this time to to help you that during the sort of recovery process that we'll, we'll hopefully go through very soon um Absolutely. sorry I want... yeah go ahead sorry no no you go <laughs> uh, so no i mean i just wanted to, to bring forward you know a lot of things that uh were like greg said they were happening you know there was again a uh, a tendency for uh, for uh, multi-generational travel. You know, there was already a big one before, right? Mm. Over the, we've seen that one over the past few years. I see, for example, that trend being even bigger now because you're going to want to rent a big villa <clears throat> that, that you have. So it's, it's not really about what you control. It's about the feeling of control, right? And then you rent a big villa and you have your whole family traveling together. You know, so you just mm. move your whole family from one place to another and you stay there for what well, but that will mean also the 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 uh, long-term travel you know uh, or or uh, what is it called long-term stays not long-term travel long-term stays yeah so that was not happening but that might be now happening a multi-generational travel with a long-term stay in the villas and the small boutique hotels that allow for a lot of privacy so for example mm -hmm. that's something that makes sense right that can be happening. These things were already some of these trends we were seeing for different reasons before, but now they just might be, uh, they just might be. And then the hotels need to be thinking about these things. Okay, am I family friendly? You know, what is what is it that I need to do to be able to uh, uh, to to have my guests happy for two weeks? Because 
our average length of stay for many hotels was before two days, three days, four days. So you were basing your product on a on a on a short term stay. But now, if you're thinking about two week travel, two week stay, you have to rethink your product. You know, mm-hmm. you have to rethink that you're going to have your guests with you for two weeks, three weeks instead of and they and people will be maybe deciding to travel only once a year for three weeks instead of six times a year uh, four days each so these these and this is how you rethink your product and then rethinking your product makes you rethink the processes behind that product because mm-hmm. if the guests are going to be happy that two weeks are they going to get bored so now your activities all of the things that you put put in place are different mm. motivation for travel will certainly change i agree with you um Zoran, for those listeners who don't know, you obviously wear many hats. And I wondered if you could just share a little bit more about what you do, um, what you've been doing over the past sort of five years or so, and also where your inspiration comes from, because you have such vision and you are quite a game changer. So where do you look to? Uh, is there anyone in particular or any place in particular that inspires you? uh i I really don't know uh it's a very i have a very multidisciplinary approach to life Uh, i have been interested in politics and geopolitics since i was 15 so that's going to be 25 years now Uh, i have accidentally ended up in hospitality industry uh and but my main interest at the end of the day is psychology so when you when you cross over these three things, it kind of gives me a very, a very unique uh, perspective on things, uh, because I am trying to observe it from a very broad political perspective, and then bring it all the way down to a psychological one, to an individual, and apply it to the hotel industry, and not just hotel mm-hmm. industry, uh, but uh, hospitality in general, travel in general business in general entrepreneurship leadership all of these things that uh, that are spoken about so much uh, that often tend to have a singular view which is very good it's almost true but it's never the full picture and yeah so there is no particular inspiration i mean if i take inspiration from anything uh, these days it's uh, it's uh, buddhist teachings so ah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's so really interesting. If I, if I can share, I mean, there is a there is one beautiful book that I have been coming back to over the past uh, few weeks again so many times. It's called In Love with the World, uh, written by Mingyu Rinpoche. Uh, it's a it's it's something that I would really recommend uh, reading because we just have to find that kindness in these days of uncertainty. Mm. And uh, and uh, and kindness towards ourselves, but also kindness to others. And then I think if we go from that, then we can build our relationships uh, for many years to come on a much more solid foundation. Mm. So, but to come back to your question, I have been uh, to get a little bit more specific. I'm a hotel developer. I have uh, uh, three projects right now in the pipeline. One hotel opening hopefully this summer called Maslina Resort, a beautiful five-star luxury resort, member of Reliance Chateau, member of the Connections community. Uh, that is uh, that should be uh, you know a jewel in uh, in in my career so far, and uh, in, in actually in careers of many people uh, who are working with me on this project. 
I have my own wine bar on the side as well, called Wine and Cheese Bar Paradox. We were Andrew Harper Hideaway Report Best Wine Bar in the World 2019. Uh, yeah, many, 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 many things. Nice. Many, many things. Yeah. Thanks. Wonderful. I mean, it's very, very impressive. I remember when we were in Italy, I believe, Zara, in Puglia, and you were telling me about a technique you have um, on long flights where you can essentially meditate and you're not sleeping, you're not awake, you're meditating and you can pass a, a 10 hour flight and, and feel super energized afterwards. And I've been so jealous of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, if there is one super skill we can uh, we can. Uh, gift ourselves. You know, most of the skills are actually genetics. Uh, all of our tendencies and talents, that's all genetics. But if there is one super skill we can gift ourselves, it's the skill of meditation. And, uh, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a practice, really. It's not something you, it's, it's not something you achieve and you say, no, oh, now I'm at this level. No, it's a practice and you. Right. Can 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 turn your life around, literally by by applying some very simple idea of mindfulness meditation of of you know becoming aware or be, being more present, uh, and then if you're more present and you're more aware, all of these questions that you're asking start answering themselves because you're not caught between uh, past and your vision of the past that is completely wrong because you only have a very little sliver of understanding of the past and the future that will never happen the way you imagine it. And if you start, if you kind of clear your horizon from these two, honestly, quite two false narratives and you focus on the present, then these, all of these questions start answering themselves. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. guess now's the time. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But I would not, I would not want... <laughs> the present is the only certain yeah. at the moment w- as well. Yeah. So I think... yeah, yeah, but I would not want to, uh, to come across as if I'm telling people that in this time of uncertainty, they should feel bad if they don't achieve these new skills or these new uh, knowledges or anything. You know, there is so much uncertainty and I comp- have full understanding if people are just frozen. And they just don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that they get through this as sane as possible, as safe as possible, as healthy as possible. And even if they don't come out with a, a new language, understanding of the world, it's completely fine. But those who are able mm-hmm. should kind of try to do something with their time. It would be beneficial, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, so Zoran, um, right. last question from us: If you could eat okay. <laughs> already, if you could eat one meal <laughs> for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? <laughs> All right. Uh, I mean, I, did I say that the most of, that a good portion of my career have been in food and beverage? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> makes it even more difficult. <laughs> it makes it very difficult because I have this uh, knowledge of also a bit of a knowledge of not or understanding of nutrition. So there is no one single meal you could have for the rest of the of your life without dying. Uh, but uh, I think uh, potato pl- comes closest to that. There is one traditional dish that we have here in central Dalmatia. It's called gregada. 
it's a it's a literally a fisherman's stew of potatoes and fish. Uh, so that would be, I guess, I could have that every day. It's kind of soupy, uh, 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 soupy or stewy, more soupy than stewy uh, dish. Literally potatoes and uh, whatever fish you catch that day. You know, some olive oil, parsley, salt, and pepper. I mean, literally seven, eight ingredients uh, simmered. And it has it has uh, it has all the nutrition I think actually probably that could keep you going for years with, with, uh, and you would you would uh, get most of the uh, you would still get most of the vitamins um, and uh, essential amino acids and minerals that you need from these just from this one dish and it's beautiful so wow <laughs> I, I love your approach to that question. <laughs> It's not favorite dish. It's, like, it's just the most taste. nutritious. It's smart thing. It's like great, it. and it's really great. I mean, if you have olive oil in there, you know, you just drop a lot of olive oil on top of it. You know, some uh, fleur de sal, and you have a uh, good potatoes in, and a uh, freshly caught fish from the sprinkle some parsley. Good to go. You know, it's an amazing dish. You're gonna have to give us the recipe. Uh, we can with, try it. With we can't continue, with but pleasure. we can try the dish. With pleasure. <laughs> It's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a fisherman. Right, it's well, a fish, local uh, here. It's popular on the islands of Huar, Braj, here on the local Dalma central Dalmatian islands. So, uh, if they survived on it for hundreds of years, I would probably go go for it. Perfect, sold. <laughs> for any listeners, we're not condoning eating only one meal. For us, <laughs> that's a disclaimer. It's just a, it's a hypothetical question. Zoran, thank you so much for, for thank taking you, time Zoran. to join us. Thank you, Zoran. It's been uh, great. Really, really it was a real pleasure. Uh, stay safe. Uh, we will, uh, you know, we will travel again. So, and I think it's going to happen actually sooner than later. People are a creature of habit, and I think that they will, uh, they will, they will want to travel as soon as possible, as soon as it's 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 feasible and and possible. So, uh, I think there is there is a lot of love. Even though I said there is a hope is not a good business strategy, but hope for us as 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 human beings still there is. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, right. Soran. Cheers. Bye bye. We are Greg and Gemma, and this is a moment with, and we are proud to be in the industry with you all. Thanks so much for listening. Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. Do you agree or do you disagree with anything we've said? And of course, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, do let us know. Catch us at our next episode. Thanks for joining and until next time.